0: As we've talked about, depending on who you talk to, they call it a crisis. Uh, Some people say that it's, um, you know, it's just pricing itself right out of reach for so many Canadians. But if you think about it, it's a crisis if you're trying to buy a home for sure, and especially in some parts of the country. Uh, But if you're someone who's involved in real estate, not necessarily a crisis, it's kind of like the perfect thing for you. I mean, it's it's a chance to make a whole lot of money because the market is booming. So... That's sort of the the dichotomy that we have surrounding real estate, and it goes a little bit deeper than that, according to our next guest, who is Brian Doucette, Canada Research Chair in Urban Change and Social Inclusion at the University of Waterloo. Brian, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Good morning. You know, that that contradiction there where you've got a lot of people saying, oh, we've got a crisis, nobody can afford to buy a house, but at the same time, prices are going through the roof and people are making lots of money. It's that contradiction that's sort of at the core of this solving, quote-unquote, solving this problem, right? Yes.
1: I think there's a lot of things that that we we talk about in terms of solutions, in terms of ideas, that don't really confront this dual role that housing plays in our society. It's shelter and a basic human right and our governments have have affirmed that basic human right um, but it's also a source of wealth and speculation. It's a commodity that is bought and sold purely for its exchange value right? What what it's worth as something to buy and sell and it's also something that has a very important use value in our society and that is shelter. Everybody needs a home. Everyone needs a place to live.
0: Yeah, and, and you're right, because the debates we have don't talk about that. The debates we have talk about we don't have enough supply or the zoning is wrong. or I mean, we sort of get into the minutia of it without really taking a look at, like you say, the fact that you've got a major contradiction here.
1: Exactly. And all those things, you know, zoning and density and supply, they're important to understand. It's not that they're not unimportant, yes. but you're right. Those conversations need to be focused on... If not that central contradiction, they need to be focused on on broader questions of supply for whom, right? So I I think, you know, there's lots of different ways we can measure the housing market in terms of supply and and so on. But unless we're actually, you know, critically interrogating what kind of supply is being built in terms of is it affordable or who who it's affordable for, who it's not, um, what kind of households can live in it if it's all you know, very small um, studios and one bedrooms, we can add lots of units. And the market is very, very good at adding lots of of those units, particularly along transit corridors like LRT corridors and Waterloo where I live and Calgary and Edmonton and and, and other places. But unless that supply addresses the residential demand, for example, a huge demand for family-sized units that are affordable, that are close to good transit, you know, just looking at the numbers is is very limiting.
0: And when we take a look at, like you say, you know, zoning and increasing supply and those sorts of things, how are they counterproductive in some cases? And and what should they be? When we talk about using those kind of levers to quote unquote solve the situation, what should we be doing?
1: Sure, I mean zoning has a role to play. So in a lot of cities across Canada, there are many parts of the city, you know, majority of. of uh the city in in, in some instances or, or majority of the residential areas where planning rules dictate that you simply can't add density you can demolish a small um you know detached house and build a much bigger detached house and that's about all the 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 changes that the zoning permits right and that is pro- problematic um that that for for many reasons as i get into it in, in the article however there's very little evidence that i've come across to indicate that if you simply change that zoning right uh, and allow for a lot more density without somehow guiding that development, guiding what gets built and get for whom so you know being reducing some of the planning zoning rules or changing some of the zoning rules but also being proactive in. Shaping the nature of that intensification yes um, you know the, the the literature the research you know from from across many different countries indicates that okay, you can build more housing and it will address some housing needs, but it won't be the kind of transformational approach that we need to get for example, you know genuinely affordable housing for people on low and moderate incomes and afford housing that is affordable to families on a range of incomes, so that 's why we also need a bit more of a proactive approach you know not just to shape where development gets built but who it's for
0: right Um, and also who who can sort of profit from it right because well that's the the question how do you do that how do you okay because like you say that's that's part of the equation is making sure it's affordable as a human right but the other side of the equation is it is an investment it is a money maker it is a commodity how do you remove that from the equation or should you remove that from the equation well, I think we have to be careful to distinguish. You know, somebody who owns a home
1: and they have a use value as their home, mm-hmm. right? It has an exchange value, and that exchange value will, will shift over time. But the primary, you know, someone who owns their home, they're living in it. You know, that's going to have a, an important use value for them as shelter, and will have some sort of exchange value. And there's a fundamental difference between that and the the the, the people or the firms or the you know the highly institution you know high, highly uh, uh, large financialized institutions who own two, three, 10, 100 properties, right? There's an important difference for for that. Um, There are things that can be done. There are things like vacancy taxes, um, speculator taxes. You can tax second homes. You can reduce demand for housing. We always talk about increasing supply, right? What about trying to reduce demand for housing for people who already own homes, right? You could put, if, if you're having a new development you, know, you could put a primary residency requirement yep. on um, new, 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 building, new, new houses that are sold. So it means if you own it, you buy it. Or if, sorry, if you buy it, you must you live, in to it. live in it. Yeah, there, there's all sorts of things um, like that that can kind of disincentivize speculation. Um, because, you know, all this investment, all this speculation, all this commodification of housing, it makes it prone to huge fluctuations, Right. So rather than property prices increasing at a sort of, you know, a bit more of a, a, a manageable rate um, that keeps more people being able to to enter into the, the housing market, you get these extreme fluctuations. Now they're going up. But the opposite could also happen yes. when you have all this uh, speculative money, um, you know, just like any other commodity. If there's something else that's, uh, you know, that, that that money wants to invest in, it, it might go elsewhere.
0: Uh, so when we hear government and, you know, the Liberal government talking about we're going to increase supply, we're going to throw all kinds of money into the system and increase the supply of affordable housing in Canada, um, they're missing that key component, right? I mean, increasing the supply in some cases will only increase the demand and the investment and the speculation, like you say, that's only one part of it and it will not solve the problem.
1: Well, this is this is where it's great to, to have the opportunity to, to write pieces like I did in the conversation, yeah. right, where you can expand on things, to come on a show like yours and really talk through certain things, right? The, the, debates like this about, about housing are really ill-suited to, to social media and things like Twitter, where it's very sort of blunt and, and so on. So, yes, supply needs to increase as the population increases. That's clear. And, you know, I think it, it's actually a very difficult question um, statistically, are we actually adding enough supply to meet the population? There's very different ways of looking at it and different conclusions that people can draw. Uh, an important sort of thing to be clear about, or an important myth that, that maybe we can dispel, the private sector does not have a monopoly mm-hmm. on adding supply. And you know, so much of, of, our, of our government thinking at all levels, provincial, federal, municipal, is very much sort of connected to the idea that the market, the private developers are the ones that can build housing. But really, until the, the early 1990s, we had steady streams of funding from uh, the federal government and from provincial governments across the country that built, you know, in my view, as someone who studied housing for, for, for many years, that, that money, that approach, actually built some of the most innovative um, housing in all of Canada. The, the St. Lawrence neighbourhood in Toronto, um, some neighbourhoods in Vancouver, some other examples – You know, mixed use, mixed income, a lot of non-market housing. And so when we talk about adding supply, if we're serious about intensification and upzoning, you know, adding supply to existing neighborhoods, if we're serious about tackling the genuine affordability crisis, then a lot of that housing that gets built is going to have to be outside the realm of speculation non-market, co-op, social, subsidized housing in one way, shape, or form. Because, you know, in our cities across the country, even two good incomes, that isn't enough to afford, right? you know, to live comfortably in cities. And simply letting the market build more, I've not come across any evidence that says if we, you know, quote-unquote, unleash the power of the market, build, baby, build, 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 build is, you know, the common line from, from developers. You know, I've not come across
0: a lot of research that says that is going to get us out of this mess. because Indeed, we're increasing the, the supply health. more than we're increasing demand. I mean, it, we're outpacing it. There's a lot more supply than demand being created in our country. And we're, we're yeah, still in the same and, spot, right?
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, I think we have to look seriously about housing's role within our society. And, yeah. you know, it, it, for, for many years and decades, the pendulum has swung to that commodification side. And it's not saying that we have to, you know, get rid of any kind of profit, any kind of private development. That's certainly not the case. But we need to have measures that can shift that pendulum a little bit more proactively towards the the housing as a human right idea. And there's all sorts of ways. You know, I talked about taxation and, and so on. There's also a huge asset of publicly owned land. Right. And all cities have this, whether it be owned by cities, school boards, um, provincial, federal governments, um, all sorts of things. There's huge, huge opportunities on publicly owned land to build the kind of housing, to add the kind of supply that the market is unable or unwilling to build. And that is, you know, genuinely affordable housing for people on low and moderate incomes. That's larger units for families. And you can, if, if, the land is publicly owned. You can enact rules around prohibiting speculators, right? Uh, far more than you can uh, with land that's in private hands. So you can be much more creative, much more innovative about directly tackling right. the housing crisis by using that land to build housing that's outside of
0: the market, rather than selling it to to a developer to to you know for a quick buck. Gotcha. Uh, and fascinating discussion. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. That's Brian Doucette, who is the Canada Research Chair in Urban Change and Social Inclusion at the University of Waterloo. Interesting discussion.